Hi, I'm Casey Hobbs. And I'm Shane Mason. And we're the hosts of Nurse Talk Radio. Please join us for this special edition podcast. Are you caring for an aging parent and feeling overwhelmed and underprepared? Well, our next guest, Kira Reginato, has written a great book called Tips for Helping Your Aging Parents Without Losing Your Mind. The book offers checklists that will turn what do I do now into I got this. Well, that's good. And Casey, so many of us have faced or will face the reality of taking care of our aging parents. And having expert advice is critical to making great decisions. Kira is a gerontologist, a radio host and speaker, and she has an elder care management firm, Living Ideas for Elders. She herself was also the primary caregiver for her father and advises from personal experiences and from her heart. Kira, welcome to Nurse Talk, and thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Kira, let's get right down to it. What will people find out when they read your book, Tips for Helping an Aging Parent? Well, they will find out how to prepare for what most likely lies ahead. And that includes, I like the checklist method because then it gives people a blueprint for working with their older adult. And it doesn't have to be your parent. It could be an aging spouse, or frankly, it could be ourselves as we get ready. Um, We talk about the importance of um, medication management. Casey, you probably see a lot of people that end up in the hospital or did um, due to medication errors. So very true. And you're right. Even even this checklist is helpful for us as we age, uh, including our parents, because it's stuff that we don't think about. I like your checklist because this is practical knowledge that you just kind of don't really think about. That's exactly right. And I think until you're faced with it, um, you're not thinking about it. So having this, you know, the book is short, it's 135 pages. It's meant to be easily accessible to people and not overwhelm them. And I actually love when the millennials read it because they're really getting their ducks lined up in a row. But typically, you know, you're not reading this until there's some sort of crisis, like, Mm -hmm your dad's had a fall, there's been a stroke of your mom, or some sort of hospital stay, Mm -hmm. and then you're in it. Kira, let's talk a little bit about when do you know it's time to take care of your parents? And hopefully you're not waiting to the things that you just mentioned, which which sometimes (laughs) is what people do. You know, I think our parents would probably resent that we ever, quote-unquote, need to take care of them because people want to stay as independent and do as much as they can, especially in this culture, for as long as they can. But what I like to think of it as is that it's usually gradual. You're starting to come over and do, maybe you're helping with um, something regarding a Medicare statement that comes in the mail for your mom, or maybe you're picking up medications, or maybe you're noticing some memory loss and confusion, and you're starting to call to remind your mom about an appointment that's coming up. That's when it's time to really have more information at your fingertips about what's going to be ahead and not wait typically People are doing care for their parents when it's a crisis. Exactly. As I mentioned, the person's in the hospital, and then, uh uh-oh, I'm the caregiver. What do I do? That's so true. And so in your book, you talk about um, getting to know your parents a little bit better, which is interesting because most people think they know their parents. But (laughs) but, um, you bring up a good point in that um, you've known your parent as the person in charge, and now you need to look at them just a a little bit differently and know more about their day-to-day routines. I like how you're saying that. It's true. We have a certain dynamic with our parent. We come over, they make us a little food, we visit, and we leave. 
you don't have to know what medication they're taking. You don't have to know what their diagnoses are or when they went to the doctors. But what I'm encouraging people to do, especially when the parents are around 70 and things probably haven't gotten to too many chronic health issues, although, you know, that's not true for everybody, but typically people in their 70s can be pretty healthy. That's a great time to begin A, having a conversation with your parents just about how they are in general with their health, dental, driving, that sort of thing. But also I recommend beginning to keep a log in your computer about what's going on with your parents. I just called mine dad notes. And actually in my book, I sprinkled them in the book just about what I observed, what I shared with the doctor. And keeping these notes about my dad helped me know when things happened, what the time frame was so that I could then report that to um, his doctor if I needed to. And then I could also look back and be like, wow, this is the third time that he's had this kind of infection. Huh. And it's so important, too, because... um you do forget. I remember when my mother was um, diagnosed, you know, I knew that Alzheimer's was becoming an issue for her. Um, but it was hard for me to remember all the things that led up to me knowing that and at what age they happened and when they happened. And I really wished I had kept a chronicle so that I was better, could better inform the doctor. And, and that's yep. a key thing to know um, and get to know your parents. And also, I just wanted to say advanced directives. This is a conversation we should all be having, and we shouldn't be waiting until we're in our 70s to have it. But please, I encourage everybody, because plenty of people um, have illnesses that happen before they're 70, and you really want to know, what is your desire at the end of life? Do you want to be on life sport? Do you want to be resuscitated? Do you want to live um, possibly after a stroke being paralyzed? These are all things to know ahead of time before the incident occurs. The book touches on that, and what I've noticed over the years is that people think about completing that document, and then it feels too big to them, Mm -hmm. so they put it off. So what I say to people is just get it out, choose a couple of people who can be, you know, your, your agent, the person who would speak with you, speak for you to staff in the hospital if you couldn't, and then a backup person, and make it as simple as that to get started. You know, you know, you you do make it sound simple, and I think that again, like what Casey said, the book is so useful because of the checklist. And you think you'll remember these things, uh, but but you don't. And I I think it's just really powerful, great, simple advice. One of the things you point to also, Kira, is uh, completing a twenty-two question evaluation of home safety. Yeah. I think that sounds really really important. Yeah, you know, I, as a geriatric care manager, come into the scene oftentimes after a person has fallen, and usually that hosp- that fall has led to a hospital stay, possible broken hips, so some surgery, and then they're in the rehab looking to go home. That's kind of a trajectory that's common for people in my business. And I'm always thinking, can't we get that house a little bit safer so that we don't have to go on this merry-go-round of hospital, surgery, rehab, home. So I go in and just do a little basic survey, and I've put it in the book that people can do themselves to get stuff off the floor, to get wires tucked away, to put motion sensor lights that light their pathway when they're getting to the bathroom and it's dark at night. Simple things we can do, repairing the banister, repairing a step. We tend to put it off. Um, But as we get older and our depth perception changes and um, our mobility and our ankles and feet changes, 
you want to have your house proofed, if you will, so that you're not as likely to fall. And one of those is all those pretty rugs we put in front of our sink. Um, They lose their backing after a while and people go um, flying and break a hip, but they've had that rug for so many years, it's not on their radar to replace or to throw away. And then you've got a broken hip from a a stupid $45, you know, throw rug. Such practical advice. We're talking with Kira Riginato about her book, Tips for Helping Your Aging Parents Without Losing Your Mind. The book is available on Amazon.com. So I want to give you a uh, a question that uh, a caller posed to us. Uh, my father is being released from the hospital after heart surgery. He's 84. We have nothing set up for him at home. I live out of state. We're working with hospital social workers to find help. What do you recommend we do? I am clueless. Oh, I have so many clients that call me with that same predicament. I bet. And, you know, even if they're local, they're freaking out. And it's too much for a family member to handle alone. People are not familiar with how the hospital system works. And I think the social worker and discharge planner at a hospital is a good resource, but there's a lot that goes into bringing somebody back home. And once dear old dad is released after his heart surgery and back home, it's all on the family. You're going to need to know, you know, what medical equipment is dad going to need at home, if any, what new medications is he on, if home care is going to be ordered that's covered by Medicare, what about privately paid home care that might be needed? Is he not going to be able to make his meals or get around to the restroom as easily? Is his house safe? Will he need oxygen now? And if that's going to be delivered, when is that? Are you going to be there? I mean, there are myriad, myriad things that families don't know how to think about that the social worker or the discharge planner may not necessarily review with them completely. Or frankly, you're so worried about your dad, the heck with all the details. You just, you know, he wants to go home and you want him to come home, but you don't know how to do it safely. Yes, it's rough. And so I've got a checklist in there, again, how to help someone with a discharge plan. But this is really hard to do for this person long distance. So Mm -hmm. this is the kind of time where I would get on a plane or drive and be there at the hospital to hear what's going on. And it's also a really good time to hire a private elder care manager in the area because that's what we do all day, and we can help shepherd the family with um, the elder, the older adult and their kids. They don't have to do it along alone. And I recommend that they don't. It's a good point, and that is a time where I agree with you, Kira, that people should should go home, uh, fly or drive or whichever before yep. your parent gets out of the hospital. Because my experience with discharge planners and social workers, there are limited resources, and their push is to get the patient home, period. And it doesn't necessarily matter how safe that person is. If they've got a home and they've got somebody there, they're going to they're gonna push them there. And given, given our hospital need to, to push people out, um, it's important for you to be there before they're discharged so you can help in that process. We have just a little bit of time left, but I wanted to get another question in real quick if we can. My sisters and I have been taking care of our parents in their home. They are in their late 80s and will not leave until they die. But my mother won't let us hire any paid help. We need it. What do we do? My whole, boy, this is a whole chapter devoted in my book to this because these are the common arguments to accepting home care. You know, I don't Mm -hmm. need it, I can't afford it, Mm -hmm. and I don't want a stranger in my house. 
And what I've been saying is that really these sisters that are taking care of their parents in a way have trained the parents to know that those are their primary caregivers. So really the parents aren't going to want to change that model, right? They've mm-hmm. gotten the habit of having right. those children. The sisters do it. So, And this is even if they say they don't want to be a burden. Mm-hmm. I see parents rather have their kids do it than entertain any paid care. And You know, if I put myself in their shoes, it is a little daunting to have somebody come in that you don't know who's going to care for yes. you. But I think there can be a balance. I think what I would recommend to this family is that that person and her sister do, you know, let the parents know that they can do some of the tasks, but that they need others paid for. And get the home care company in, sit with the mom and the dad, explain what the services are going to look like, what they're going to cost, and then come up with an agreement of what the home care agency is going to do and what the family's going to do, and really play hardball and not take no for an answer. Mm-hmm. And you really mm-hmm. have to. And I would recommend people, part. you know, start small. If your parents are resistant or a parent is resistant, you know, you're starting with a couple of hours a week just to get them used to the idea. And preferably before you're getting burned out and before okay. it's, it's necessary, you want to start getting them used to the idea early on. Because you can't be everything, and sometimes an outside person sees things that you, being so close to the situation, miss. You know, the other thing, too, is that over time I see that people get really used to the person who's coming, and they like them, and they rely on them more and more. It's just getting over that initial hurdle. And I tell children, you know, if your parents really say no, you need to say, you know what, if that's how you feel, we're not going to come either. That's true. Sometimes you do have to play a little hardball. That's hard probably true. And let them, let them crash and fail and yeah. burn. And finally then, after a week or two of totally being left with no kids doing anything because it had to come to that, check in with them and see if they'll agree to use some paid home care at that point. doesn't usually come to that, but if you need to, I think it's really important so that they see all that you were doing, all of the interference you mm-hmm. were running, and that, wow, you really are missed, and this was a lot for the sisters and you to be doing. And, yes, we should get some help in here if they're going to not pay attention to us at That's all. That's great. Very good. Excellent, Kira. Well, we're up against it, so I want to thank you so much for being with us today and for writing this wonderful book. Thank you so much. Thank you. We've been Bye. talking with Kira Riginato, author of Tips for Helping Your Aging Parents Without Losing Your Mind. She is a gerontologist, a radio host, and speaker, and she has an elder care management firm, Living Ideas for Elders. The book is available on Amazon.com, and you can find out more about Kira's practice at callkira.com. For more information about this topic, visit nursetalksite.com. 